Hello and welcome to the Collier Democratic Roundup, the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Jeff Spencer. Going to give you a few updates about what's going on with the local party and the state party, and then we're going to get into our panel discussion with Amber and Linda. The most exciting news we have is that we have a new Florida Democratic Party chair. Nikki Freed was elected this past week as chair of the party. She replaces Manny Diaz. And uh, she was formerly the Commissioner of Agriculture. She was elected in 2018 uh, and served there for four years. She was the first statewide elected cabinet member who was a Democrat in the last 20 years. So it was a really big deal when she got elected. uh, And we're excited that she's taking over the party. We're going to have Jane Schletwig, our chair of the Collier County Democratic Party, on here in a little bit uh, to talk about some of the plans that Nikki has and what she's talked about trying to uh, do with the party, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Do want to keep you guys aware of some things here locally. First, we have a new tool on our website that I think is a great thing for everybody to 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 look at, which is the uh, legislative action alert. You can go on our website and click on it. So be sure to uh, to check that out. It'll help you stay informed on what's going on in the legislative session in Tallahassee and how you can help. Uh, we always want to ask everybody to consider being a sustainability donor. That really goes a long way f- to the party being able to predict how and when money is going to come in the door so that most of the money that comes in can be spent on campaign activities and engaging voters. So if you can, go to our website, www.callyourdems.org, click on the donate button, and make sure that you click that become a sustainability recurring donation button. That'll help us out a lot. One other item to keep on your calendar is we are doing another wine tasting at Blue Provence. This is a fantastic event. We've done this three, four, five times now. And uh, Blue Provence down in South Naples does a wonderful job. They have over 16 wines and hors d'oeuvres that will be out that you get to taste. Their uh, tasting menu is fantastic. They have staff on hand to answer questions about the wines and the pairings and how things go. So it's something that I really think is a cool experience and that people really enjoy. And you can taste these wonderful wines with uh, like-minded people down there. So please keep that in mind. The price is $85. It's on April 13th. It starts at 4.30 p.m. You can get your tickets online at our website. Check it out. And lastly, we have some volunteer opportunities that I'd ask you to consider. The main one uh, that I'm going to mention in this podcast is uh, becoming part of the voter protection team. Ann Daly, who's our treasurer, runs this, and she's done such a wonderful job over the last uh, really four years in getting this voter protection team up to a standard that is now the envy of the entire state. Ann has been uh, a key force in helping the FDP tailor their program on voter protection at the state level uh, based off of Ann's kind of direction down here in Collier County. So I really encourage everyone to check that out. You can sign up again at our website to be part of the voter protection team. It's a wonderful thing to do. As always, we have clubs and caucuses that we would ask you to consider participating in. The Democratic Club, the Democratic Women's Club of Marco, the Democratic Women's Club of of Collier. We also have the Hispanic Caucus and the Environmental Caucus. 
and a lot of different other organizations here that you guys can uh, participate in. So I ask you to check it out. One other big uh, change is that our monthly meetings have been moved from the first Thursday of the month to the first Wednesday of the month. And so our next meeting will be in April, April 5th, and that is at our headquarters on Goodlit Frank Road, and the meeting starts at 630. It is open to all Democrats, so I do encourage you to check it out. We'll be right back after a few words with our panel discussion. We at the Collier County Democratic Party are a completely self-funded organization. We do not receive any money from the Florida Democratic Party or the Democratic National Committee. We survive and thrive on donations from local Democrats like you. Each and every dollar goes to activities here in Collier County to amplify your voice and speak up for what we believe. Go to www.callyourdems.org and click on the donate button. We thank you for your support. All right, we're here with Amber and Linda. We're going to get into our topic discussion for the day. Uh, we've got uh, two topics we're going to go over. One is President Biden and his accomplishments and what we think uh, that's going to mean for him moving forward. And then also we're going to talk a little bit about the Florida legislature, which is coming up here on March 7th. They go back into session, and we're going to uh, talk a little bit about what they're doing. But let's dive into uh, the first topic President Biden had a better-than-expected midterm election cycle with Democrats outperforming predictions. He had a very energetic and lively State of the Union doing some political jiu-jitsu on the House Republicans, and then he popped up in Ukraine to show full U.S. support uh, behind the Ukrainian defense effort, and uh, it reminds everybody how uh, how he's being, been able to marshal the world to stand up to Vladimir Putin. So uh, what do you think's uh, up with the mojo for old Joe Biden. What do we think that means for the rest of his term, guys? Not being on board with the fact that he will be an elderly president again in his second term sounds like you are an ageist. But, um, you know, the real world implications of, of having someone so elderly be the leader of the free world and the potentiality of that person becoming ill and then the vice president becoming the leader of the free world is something that shouldn't be taken lightly. But, um, you know, I think he is, he has shown just how sprightly he is, just how intelligent he is, just how on top of things he is, and just how willing to fight for the country and the Amer- and, and, you know, the American people. And uh, I was a huge fan of the state of the union. I was not holding a lot of hope for a rollicking good time um, during the State of the Union. But, I mean, he really showed that um, he really wants to tackle some of these things and, and call people out by their name should they not want to play ball with him. So, I mean, as of right now, I say he is our president and he should continue to be our president. I mean, I, I feel like what I want to say is something that's going to basically quote you, Jeff, which I feel like you're going to say it way better than me. So I think that's where I'm hesitating. But essentially, the the consequentialness of what Joe Biden has done over the last two years is almost unprecedented, especially in the political environment that he is 
navigating. Um, you know, granted, he had he had control of the House and the Senate for two years, and that allowed him to pass some major legislation. But still, I think even when the Republicans have had similar control, the amount of actually substantial legislation that was passed um, in their tenure doesn't even compare. You know, and and again, most of the legislation that Republicans are passing in the last several decades are more less of everything, um, nothing to really move things forward. It's more like taking things away than actually legislation that helps people. Um, but I think that's the thing that I find interesting about him. You know, and I think it's also coming off of the four years of Trump where it was just every morning you woke up and you almost cringed as to what are you going to read? This what happened? Yes. What happened last night? What happened today? And there's a, almost a refreshingness of like, you don't wake up to craziness. It's like the government is just doing things. And whether you agree with what's happening or not, it is, it's not crazy. And, and that is really, really refreshing. And I think some people maybe are taking it for granted, like nothing's happening because oh, we're not hearing about it, but there's been so much happening. And I think Jeff can speak more to a little bit of, of the specifics of that. But I think that's important to remember. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. And I do think that you hit on something, which is the lack of craziness as compared to what was going on in the previous four years. It does kind of feel like, oh, well, nothing's really happening because we're not reading about the president being involved with Russia. And we're not reading about how the president tried to con you know convince the president of Ukraine to uh, dig up dirt on his political opponent and whatnot. But I do think uh, looking back at to what Biden uh, has been able to do in just two years is is pretty remarkable. And I went through, and I think it 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 would be good for people to hear and and kind of remember what he's accomplished because it's a big deal. He's passed the COVID relief bill, which was one point nine trillion dollars. He passed a bipartisan infrastructure bill, which was something that had been talked about for decades. He got that passed. He passed a bipartisan chips bill, which was a manufacturing bill that he was able to get through. He passed a bipartisan Respect for Marriage Act, which helped to cement you know, gay marriage in this country as a right for all. Uh, he passed the Bipartisan Safer Communities Gun Act, which basically, while it wasn't everything that liberals and progressives wanted to, to get passed in terms of gun legislation, it did add some uh, added teeth to to uh, protecting uh, our citizens and and trying to restrict gun access uh, to people. He passed a reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act, which the Trump administration had allowed to uh, expire. He passed a student loan, or he I should say he had an executive action for student loan forgiveness. He pardoned all federal marijuana crimes. He passed uh, an inflation bill that is the largest in. Uh, investment in climate change policy in the nation's history. Uh, and he nominated and got past the uh, first African-American woman to the Supreme Court. So that was all in two years. It's a remarkable record. Uh, and 
not only did he pass a lot of things that were liberal and progressive uh, goals, but he also did a lot of things bipartisanly that uh, allowed uh, us to to move this country forward in a way that had kind of we've kind of just stagnated into gridlock under Obama because the Republicans uh, would basically stated that we're not going to do anything with Obama, and uh, and then Trump uh, really wasn't interested in governing at all. He was interested in uh, getting into fights with different people, and and really there wasn't anything that was trying to be accomplished. So, uh, you know, I think Biden, uh, some of the in the momentum that Biden's experiencing right now. Uh, is kind of a result of all the success he's had. I mean, the lone setback I would say that Biden had in his first two years was the withdrawal from from Afghanistan. But I don't know that if you ask most progressives and liberals about that withdrawal, if they would disagree with the decision to get out of that war more so than they would disagree with the handling of how we got out of that war. Um I, I just think that from from top to bottom, he is a, a president that will go down in history far more favorably than I think his contemporaries are, or his the voters are going to view him. And it's been great to see him on the offensive in the last uh, the last three to three to six weeks. It's been really enjoyable to see. Yeah, and he's I mean he's also had a very strong record with the economy, and you know. Uh, it's it's certainly hard to say how anyone would have fared because it was a very uh, unpredictable last number of years. Um, but the the amount of job growth um, and unemployment that we have seen is is also unprecedented, and I think that that is definitely can be partially attributed to the stuff that he has done. There's also to be noted that he is. Um successfully appointed uh, the most number of judges to the three main tiers of the federal judiciary than um, any other president at this point in his term. So that's also very exciting seeing that, um, you know, court structure um, is, is trending for most people as of right now, especially with our, you know, six, three supermajority on the Supreme court. So how do we keep, how do we, how do we have this momentum for him? How do we, because I think, you know, as I think there are some, a little bit of maybe lackluster enthusiasm, mainly due to his age. And as Linda mentioned, ageism is, is, you know, you want to be careful about that, but it's, it is a real concern. He will be the oldest president um, ever elected. And but how do we keep people's enthusiasm, especially the fact that because the government is just kind of functioning and doing these things, you know, without a lot of fanfare, um, how do you get the average voters to be supportive? I mean, I think that one of the things that he's going to benefit from, and this is assuming that he's in a reelect. I mean, I don't at right. this point, I think with this with the uh success that he's had uh, in his first two years, uh, I don't see how uh, he's not running for re-election uh, on this. But um, I think one of the benefits that he's going to have is the fact that he has passed so many tangible things that are going to be implemented over the next um, 
you know, the next two years. He's got uh, that infrastructure bill, which was billions and billions of dollars that that are going to go out to actually build things in communities that he can go and point to. He's got the CHIPS bill, which is a manufacturing bill that he's already going out to different manufacturing plants across the country to highlight the, the benefits of that bill. He's got, uh, you know, he's got the COVID and the inflation bill. So you've got all the climate change activism and the climate change policy items that he's got for electric charging stations and things like that, that he can really tout and push towards. So I think he's going to have a lot of things to really point to that can get people energized and see government working and seeing why you want to continue to elect Democrats because these things happen in your lives. But I think a lot of it is going to come down, but the big headwind is his age. And that's what we're all talking about is his age. But I got to say, so far, they were talking about his age as soon as he became president. And he has been able to get more done in two years than any president in the last 20 to 30 years uh, with smaller margins than any president has ever had to deal with. I mean, he literally had a zero vote margin in the Senate. And I think Nancy Pelosi, who she only had a five vote margin uh, in the House and was able to get most of this stuff passed. And we're seeing what Kevin McCarthy is dealing with in, uh, in the House with a similar margin that he's just not being able to going to be able to move the type of votes that he needs to move to be able to get things passed. Nancy Pelosi d- has done a fantastic job getting all of these things through the House. Uh, and, um, you know, I think I think he's going to have some I think they're going to have some more success. And I think the midterm elections uh, are kind of evidence of that. I think the Republican Party is going to continue to to do the crazy. They're going to do themselves in with uh, all of their talking points and the things that they choose to focus on, uh, which the average American uh, is not interested in. And I think, you know, the the platform that Joe Biden put forward and and is is running on and is legislating on is, is something that's very popular and... Uh, that combination, I think, is going to is going to probably play better than uh, than I think we're that than the age question will will play, uh, or at least that's my hope. I'm I'm watching Amber's uh, yeah. face here, and she's she's uh, she, I think she may disagree. What do you think? No, it's all anyone wants to talk about. It's going to be a major theme in his reelection campaign. It's, it, he's, it's going to be inescapable. So he'll just have to stay on message and be like, yes, I am, but look at what I've done. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, when... But should Donald Trump be his be the counterpart, oh, yeah. should be the Republican nominee, he's 76 years old. I mean, they don't really have a leg to stand on yeah. as far as age. No, agreed. Totally agreed with that. If that is the way it goes, I think that makes it kind of a non-issue. One other thing I wanted to add to, which kind of happened just recently, was the um, the cap on the insulin prices, which is something that will affect millions of people of all political spectrums across the country. And I think that that is, you know, that's something that Biden mentioned in his State of the Union and was just recently uh, the company said that they were going to cap it at $35, which yeah, Eli Lilly. Yeah. People were paying hundreds, 
hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for this life-saving medication. So those are the kinds of things that kind of action... Well, we should say, sorry, we should say hundreds to a thousand dollars a month, yeah, not, not hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars of a month. thousands, hundreds yeah. to or thousands, yeah. yes, depending. <laughs> um, hey, you never know. Maybe a hundred thousand, who yeah. depends on who where they're hey. buying it from. <laughs> Um, but those are the kinds of actual legislation and, uh, and and kind of pressure that the government can have that can have real effect on Americans. You know, I know everybody's concerned about the overreaching hand of government, and you know, I'm extremely liberal, and I also am concerned about that. I don't want the government have its hands in everything, but there are purposes of the government. There are things that the government can do to help society that to make things better. And that's where um, I think that those resources can't be, cannot be achieved any other way. And this is a perfect example of, of that. You have this corporation that is, you know, its goal is to make money and uh, the other people's goal is to not die. And, you know, you kind of try to find that balance of, okay, well, how can we make both of these work? And I think that's a really, those kinds of things that actually affect people. Um, I think there's a lot of things here that positively affect people that have happened over the last two years. Again, of all demographics, of all political persuasions that you just don't see. You did not see that in the four years of Trump's presidency, of things that were actually helping average Americans. Um, Now, whether that impacts people in the voting booth, uh, I don't know. People are people are fickle i don't know i'm sure there are plenty of diabetic trumpers out there who were you know paying thousands of dollars for their medication yet going to the ballot box and and, uh, picking trump (laughs) there's always a way to explain things i mean we've seen that over and over again the last four years or beyond is how you can Uh, explain things away that you don't like that are inconvenient to you the collier county democratic party needs your help collier county can be difficult at times but working with a community of like-minded individuals makes it easier we need volunteers to help us speak up against the censoring of our teachers we need volunteers to help us stand up for a woman's right to make the medical decisions with her own body we need volunteers to protect our democracy. Join us by signing up to volunteer at www.callyourdems.org and click on volunteer. Let's get to work. We're going to go ahead and transition to the next topic, which uh, is the Florida legislature. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about good old Governor Ron DeSantis again because uh, he's he's out there on a tour talking the crazy to the rest of the country, not just to the Floridians here. So um, the Florida legislature is back in session uh, in 2023 on March 7th, uh, and uh, the Republicans are continuing to push their right-wing agenda. There are plans to revamp school board elections to make them partisan instead of nonpartisan. They've got laws up uh, to make guns legal to carry concealed without a license here in the state. That's constitutional carry. That's what they call call it. Affordable housing legislation will be up. Uh, and then there are some truly awful bill with to expand the school choice, which would uh, 
really kill funding going to the public education system. It's it's just an absolutely awful bill. Uh, oh, and just one more thing. The Republicans proposed a bill to eliminate the Democratic Party in its entirety in the state of Florida, which would basically automatically re-register every single Democrat as an independent and force the Democratic Party to create a whole new party out of, with a whole new name. Yes, that is totally a bill that is being proposed this legislative session. So guys, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being awful and 1 being you're really not paying attention to what you're reading, where does this legislative agenda for the Republicans fall? 11? I mean, it's hard to it's honestly hard when you when you read these things over and over again as as we do in Florida. And you know most of these things have also garnered national attention. It's it's it almost seems impossible. Um, it, it's like it's like out of the fascist playbook, basically. Like it, it's it's shocking, and it's almost becomes it's like a bed of nails in a way. Like you're you're just overwhelmed by the amount of of craziness. Um, and some of these things, like that bill to to deregulate or whatever it's called to no, it was to eliminate the democratic yeah. party in its entirety right you know that whole thing that's just as they often do it's just kind of bs you know basically to rouse their base there's no way that that's going to move forward because if it did it would it would also affect them the way that it's written. But, um, you know, so stuff like that, it's like almost just overlook it. It's just like shock value. But a lot of this stuff is terrifying, like the school board stuff, especially. And I mean, the what they've been doing to attack the school boards both at a local county level and state level and at the university level should be terrifying to people and you know and it's it's just the hypocrisy of their they they love to tout their you know we don't want the government involved in freedom and all this kind of stuff yet they're trying to make everything anything that they disagree with has to be remade in their image of of what they do agree with. It's like, you know, how is that how is that any different? I don't know. Like it's <laughs> I have a hard time <laughs> I have a hard time talking about it. Yeah, no, I'm just going over the list again and I don't necessarily want to be an alarmist and say that, you know, everything they do or they're proposing to talk about and and workshop is, you know, on the side of fascism. I hope that Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo, who hails from Naples, um, really takes her pledge to uh, make affordable housing to heart and, and to, to uh, you know, make it work for our state. That would be very exciting. You know, they're trying to talk about ways to be creative about uh, about achieving that goal. So I, I hope that's wonderful. I hope that that comes to pass. Um, the budget that Ron DeSantis is proposing is $114.8 billion for this fiscal year. Um, he's added 
some money in there for increasing teacher salaries, uh, $1.1 billion for Everglades restoration and water quality issues, and 5% across the board for pay hikes for state workers and additional money for targeted jobs like correctional officers. On, the, on paper, that looks amazing. Um, I think since he has been governor, though, he has been saying he wants to uh, increase teacher salaries, but you know, once you dilute monies, you know, for all the teachers in the state, that always turns into a negligible amount. Again, not fulfilling any of the promises. $1.1 billion for Everglades restoration, that sounds amazing, really wonderful. But how is that going to combat um, the, the continued um, pollution from industry and uh, farming in the middle of the state? You know, again, we have a Republican-led legislature who answers to those those corporations, and again, no legislation to potentially stop what's happening in the Everglades and our water quality. Which, to note, right now we have dead fish clogging all of our waterways here in Naples due to a, a fantastical red tide event. So, you know, again, all these things are on paper, but. I just really wish the Florida voter would actually ask those probing questions where how and, and, and how much are you going to increase the salaries? What exactly are you going to be throwing $1.1 billion for Everglades restoration? How are these things going to work? Again, they all look great, but how is that going to pan out? A couple of the other ones that I've seen here, you know, those are scary for um, especially like the death penalty bills, the defamation law. Uh, that would roll back uh, protections for for the press, which, you know, as we know, Governor Ron DeSantis only likes one news organization, and that's Fox News. And it, er, everybody else is considered, uh, you know, an enemy of the state and people. Um, oh, gosh, moving forward to allow con- the people to carry concealed weapons without obtaining state licenses. I mean, that, that's just wonderful. Um, immigration, lawsuit limits. Uh, the school board, shocking, horrible school vouchers. I mean, they sound great. It, it does, but how do they work? How, logistically, how does this happen? What is the expense to the Florida taxpayer? Again, hard questions that I hope voters are going to ask, not just give them, you know, not because you voted for him and you like him and you think, you know, hey, he, you know, this is where woke goes to die, Florida. Well, ask the hard questions. What's he going to do? Yeah, I, I I think that as typical with uh, a lot of Republican policy, Republican legislation, uh, the headline, which is what they're trying to get out, uh, is more important than the actual uh, policy that they're proposing or that they're implementing. The school voucher bill that's out there, it, it, quite frankly, is terrifying when you think about the impact it could have on public schools. For those of people who don't know, the, the bill that, that is uh, being proposed would allow any uh, student to be eligible to get school vouchers. And the way school vouchers basically works, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not an expert, but is that if you choose that you want to not go to the particular public school, you can receive the money that the ta- that the taxpayer money that is allocated for your individual kind of per capita basis and you can get that money given to you so that you can go into a private school or a charter school of your choice and use that money how you see fit to go to the thing. Again, 
that in principle and how you sell that to a to a parent sounds fantastic, right? I get to choose wherever I want and I get my taxpayer dollars coming back to me and I can go choose my school. When you get into the details of how that works and the impact it has, it's it's terrifying to what it will do to the school systems around this state. For one, private schools and charter schools don't have the same accreditations. They don't have the same standards. They're not required to meet the same level of uh, inclusion. So they don't have to, they can choose which students they want to bring in or not, depending on how well they perform in that particular class or that particular uh, school. They can say, we don't want you anymore. But that money has already come out of the system, out of the public education system, and has gone to this charter school gone to this private institution, that money is there now, and yet the student has to get put back into public school because the charter school made a decision to kick that kid out because they don't, they're not meeting the grade or they're not living up to whatever standard that they have for that school. But the public school has lost the money, and the charter school or the private school has gotten the money, but the student now is back at public school, and there's not the money over there to do it. On top of that, if all of these students, if, if a large proportion of students make the choice to move, or a particular geographical region has people move, well, then that particular school system or that particular school has lost a ton of money that they were banking on to bring in new teachers, to try to keep staff, and they have to make hard financial decisions on a year-by-year basis. So how do you keep good, high-quality teachers into a system when the very next year, 20%, 15%, 30% could make the decision to move out of the public school systems into a charter school. And now the school system has to lay off teachers or move people. I mean, none of this is thought out fully. What was thought about was we have this talking point, which is parents should have the ability to choose where their kids go to school. And that sounds great. And that's fantastic. And yes, Parents should have a choice in what happens in the school system. And we have a system called democracy in which they elect school board members to make decisions on behalf of the community to be able to do it. That's the system. That's your voice. Get out and learn about it and elect school board members who do the thing that you want. Don't give it to individual parents to pull money out of the system willy-nilly wherever they want on a whim because the whole system collapses when you do this. I, I really... People aren't thinking about this. The accreditation piece of this is another big part. These charter schools and and certain institutions don't have the the accreditations. The classes they're offering doesn't have the accreditations. You're going to have students going in there that don't have all these accreditations, and if they transfer or they move out of the state or they go somewhere, is that going to work? Is that going to move on? Do they they count towards college level? Probably not. They're wanting to allow teachers who are not even – uh, deg- don't even have degrees in teaching to be able to teach at these schools, right? Because it's a for-profit, it's a for-profit enterprise. So to them, for the profitability of that particular charter school or that particular institution, whichever one it is, it's in their best interest to cut cost and bring in people at lower rates to get the people through. So, and again, they they're not required to retain the students if they're not living nope. up to whatever standard it is. No, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of examples. I mean, there's schools locally, charter schools here who have 
siblings who go to the school have chosen to go to the charter school. One sibling is not performing, perhaps because they have special needs that are not being addressed. Um, and the schools will kick out one of the siblings and not the other one. And then what you end up having is all of the kids who have special needs, who have disabilities, all of them are being if they had moved over to charter, which a lot of times they, they can't in any ways because they don't have the resources for them or they choose not to give the resources for them, um, they end up back in the public schools. The public schools have to take everybody. They have to take kids that have, you know, foster kids with no parents and no homes and kids with emotional handicaps. And they their job is to to take all of them, which charter schools do not have to. They can take the cream of the crop, and then they can say, oh, look at our test scores, look at this, um, as a kind of trying to flaunting their their abilities there and what they provide without, without um, you know, looking at all the specifics. But I think, honestly, I think if you look behind the curtain, the thing is they don't care about public schools. In fact, I think dismantling the whole public education system is kind of one of their main their main points the especially the far the far right you know the america first kind of people they don't want the public education system to function so anything that they can do to put a little wedge in that and take money away from it and get uh, the power away from from the the people is a benefit to them and they use it as a ruse of uh you know parent choice and parents rights and all this kind of stuff but um the majority of it at least here locally you see at these meetings a lot of the people going to speak at these meetings are not even parents are not people with children including one of our school board members including yes have never been teachers and that they're they're going in there they're to push an, a certain agenda and you see that like there's a bill filed this this past week or two weeks ago i guess now in uh the house bill num house bill nine 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 which is proposing to take the um hiring of like of universities and um removing tenure and um taking the hiring um, to the Board of Trustees, which we know the Board of Trustees is is majority uh, ruled by the governor, and he has been single-handedly replacing people on these different boards of trustees at different universities. Um, it prohibits spending on activities that promote diversity, equity, um, things that you know a lot of universities have been promoting it's it's uh i don't know it's almost i can't, i i start i get exasperated when i start like looking at cuz you just can't believe like it's it's beyond a difference of opinion it's beyond a like you you know you think this and i think this i mean this to me is just like the core of humanity <laughs> i also think that there's the what we've talked about in the past which is the trump position was to own the libs it was this it the policy choices that were made was what will get liberals progressives the left 
up in arms the most? How can we own the libs and do something that's going to make them the most angry? And this seems like just an expression of that. I think I'm going to take the moment right now to do a uh, to do a little plug for people to check out at the Collier County Democratic website. Uh, there is a new legislative action alert that everyone can sign up for there. Uh, it is a wonderful tool. It's a new tool that everyone can sign up for. If you click in to you get your email address, when there is a legislative item that needs to be acted upon, you can you will get notified via an email with what the bill is, what's going on, why you need to be concerned about it, and with a simple couple clicks, you can automatically email your representative with your thoughts with regard to that bill, and and that is just a simple few clicks that you can do, and it's something that we can really. Uh, used to be able to reach to to uh, our representatives here in Collier who represent us up in Tallahassee. And like we said, the legislative session is from March uh, 7th through, I believe, April 20th, I believe it is. And so I'm sure there's going to be some some other bills in here that are going to be really heinous, and we're going to have to, to do some some yelling and some screaming to try to get them to, to not go down some of these paths. One of the things that, that we haven't talked about is there's rumblings that he's, that governor DeSantis is going to look at uh, making a more restrictive uh, abortion ban here in the state of Florida. That seems pretty, it seems like that's that, that could be uh, coming down the pipe. So there's going to be a lot of things that we got to look out for this legislative session. So I ask everybody to sign up for that and uh, stay tuned. All right, so that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for clicking on. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We really appreciate everybody clicking on, and we'll be back here in a week or two to talk about what is actually happening in the legislative session. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.